This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are talking politics and religion without killing each other. I am your host, Corey Nathan, and it is an honor to be a part of the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts that examines what's broken in our democracy and how we can work together to fix it. Remember, it'll be very meaningful if you go to Apple Podcasts. I've been saying this for weeks now, uh, but it really it really does make a difference. If you go to Apple Podcasts, they're still the biggest in terms of the podcast world. Go, go to our page there. Uh, if you're listening on somebody else's phone or app or you came across it another way, easiest way to look us up is T-A-L-K-I-N apostrophe politics. Just if you put in talking politics, a lot of other shows come up, but ours is spelled T-A-L-K-I-N apostrophe um, or you can even do it without the posture, but just no G, T-A-L-K-A-N, politics, talking politics without the G. Um, scroll down a few episodes to where Apple embeds the option to rate, and they have a little pen thing there. Um, click on that pen thing, write a review. It really does make a difference. Um, I can't stress enough how important it is to actually write that review. You know what? We've been getting some. And I really appreciate it. I just I should have probably led with that. Uh, so I'm going to read one. So maybe that's what I'll start doing. I'll start reading some of the cool ones. Or maybe you know there there was you know a couple that came in. There were a couple that came in that um, what you know weren't so nice. I wasn't their cup of tea. That's cool too. Maybe I'll read one of those too. But today I'm going to read uh, if it's you know. <laughs> I love this one. So this this one came in right before Christmas. And it is from quote unquote, the best person ever. So, so I think I know who this is. And I think he didn't tag himself that way. If I had to guess his daughters were showing him how to do the phone and they like, well, what do you want your nickname to be? And they just wrote it for him. And they said that his nickname is the best person ever. He would never say that about himself. That's why I'm guessing that anyway, his, uh, his, um, His review starts, the title is fantastic. This is a phenomenal podcast. Oftentimes, Corey starts off the show with tidbits about the guest's life that the guest barely remembers him or herself. Uh, The research he does is uncanny. It is true. I I do spend a lot of time on on the research. I I won't take credit for being terribly talented or gifted or anything, but I, I, I will, you know, I will you know, own it. Like I, I really do take it seriously and I prepare a great deal. But uh, anyway, the best person ever. The research he does is uncanny. The guests are at the forefront of, of American politics and Corey often uh, can get them to reveal facts and circumstances they have yet to reveal before publicly. I will be an avid listener of this podcast for years to come. I am so glad, uh, even if this isn't the person I was thinking of. What a nice review, and, and you definitely did pick up on some of the things that I really work hard at and um, and try to do. I try to have really meaningful conversations with folks on a human level, uh, and I am really grateful for the level of folks that have come on this program. It just blows me away because, again, I don't come from politics. I don't come from you know any what, what folks would think of as elite institutions or journal. I'm not a you know longtime journalist. Uh, but um, I, I've been blown away at the willingness of folks at the highest levels of their careers, of their vocations, of their fields to come on this program and have these great conversations. Anyway, 
Many thanks to the best person ever. He really is one of the best guys in the world, if it is who I'm thinking of. Um, I, I appreciate you for, um, for leaving such kind words. And remember, it's not just about saying nice things, though I do appreciate that. I, I really do. It's about making enough noise algorithmically so that Apple and the big podcast apps have to pay attention so that more folks can have their voices heard, more of us from the same center, the civil middle, you know, we're, we're, we're having these conversations. We need to take it back from the screamers and the extremists who've taken over the virtual public square. Um, so speaking of great guests, we have some really wonderful folks, very excited about some things that we have coming up, joining us in the coming weeks, Tina Nguyen. If you haven't heard her on other podcasts yet, this is gonna be a real treat. Tina Nguyen is a very accomplished journalist, uh, and she has written a book called The MAGA Diaries that just came out. And um, very excited to talk to her. She kind of, as a, a high school student, college student, uh, grew up in what at that time was the Tea Party movement, uh, as, which sort of had morphed into MAGA. And she's very much in that world, worked directly for, had a, a, a a working relationship with guys like Tucker Carlson, uh, Grover Norquist, like the people that she was around, it was incredible. And she was kind of blown away by it. You know, she grew up kind of developing libertarian ideas and leanings um, and uh, very serious about her writing. Anyway, I'm really excited to have her on because she wrote about her experience in how, how she kind of got drawn into the MAGA movement, but then she came out the other side. Uh, so not, I don't think I'm giving anything away there. We're also having Francis S. Collins, if uh, Dr. Francis S. Collins, if that name doesn't ring a bell, he was the head of the National Institutes of Health. Uh, he was appointed, I think, by Obama initially and stayed on through the Trump years and into the COVID years. He also, before that, he was the head of the Human Genome Project which if you don't follow science, I, I, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that this is, this is a development in science and in, in human history that is as profound, has as big of an impact as Newton, uh, Newton's, uh, his contributions, as Einstein's contributions. It's that level of contribution to science and medicine that Dr. Francis S. Collins has had. Very excited to have him on the show. We, I just also learned today that we're getting Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, uh, who showed such incredible integrity, sacrificed his own career to testify in the Trump-Ukraine scandal that resulted in a charge of abuse of power, that first impeachment. Uh, we're also getting Nancy French. I'm really looking forward to that one. And Nancy is an incredible survivor in so many senses of the word. She's done some of the most important investigative journalism work on the rampant sex abuse scandals occurring at the highest levels of the evangelical church. And she is an evangelical. She still is. Uh, she's a you know, lifelong Christian, uh, takes her faith very, very seriously. But she's also a journalist and she's also a survivor. She has a book coming out, a memoir of her own experience as a survivor called Ghosted. She's an incredible writer. She's a ghost written many, uh, a number of books. And now she's writing her, she she has written her own book. So I'm really excited to read that. And she's just an incredible person. So we have lots more in the works. So on this edition of TPNR, it'll just be me again, if you couldn't tell already. Um, we get to talk to so many incredible guests and do these deep dives into their work. Just, you know, looking forward to the ones that I just talked about. 
Um, you know I've been loving it. We, we get to hear about their lives and glean their thoughts on important issues in a much deeper, more nuanced way. So I, I thought it'd be good to do these talks where you get to hear my thoughts. Not that I have it all figured out, uh, but by thinking things through and sharing them in this way, it actually helps me make sense of the world one issue at a time. And who knows, I, I might come back on a year from now and feel completely different about any given topic or be proven entirely wrong, which is definitely uh, a huge possibility. You know, whatever, I, I make prognostications I, and, and I could be wrong tomorrow on, on a prognostication I make, but that's all part of the fun. Before we move on, I wanted to tell you about something else that's important. Money, <laughs> uh, specifically your money. In all seriousness, I wanted to tell you about my advisor and my friend, George Meza. George runs Meza Wealth Management. And with George, it's not just about money. It's about helping us manage our present and plan for our future. And unlike a lot of other firms out there, George and I actually have a relationship. He knows me. He knows my family. And I know his wonderful family. I also know his firm and the incredible team he's put together from his chief investment officer to some of the other great people in his office, like Jessica, their head of operations that are always there to help me and with all aspects of our portfolio. You see, the thing is, I got a lot going on. I guess we all got a lot going on and I don't have the time to watch our investments all day, every day. And even if I did, I don't have the experience and expertise that George's team collectively has. So we get the entire Mesa Wealth Management team all their expertise and all their integrity. And again, it's based on George knowing me personally, knowing my goals, and even the kind of risk that's appropriate for me to take, which by the way, could change up from one season to the next. And they're on top of all of that. So if you want George Meza and Meza Wealth Management to be on your team, just visit their website, mezawealth.com. That's M-E-Z-A wealth.com, www.mezawealth.com. And that will also be in our show notes, so you can check that. And now, back to our show. So what I wanted to discuss in this edition is the notion that so many of our votes are actually empty calorie votes. <laughs> Let me say that again. So many of our votes are empty calorie votes. So what do I mean by that? This has come up on this show a few times. So. One of the ways that it's an empty calorie vote. Now, first of all, I'm not saying don't vote. It's very important to vote. But one way that a vote is essentially an empty calorie vote is the idea that some folks could like if if you're a dem if you identify as a Democrat or progressive, a liberal, and you vote Democrat, you don't don't even think through the politicians or the issues. You just look at what the Democratic position is and you vote D right down the line, and could never even imagine the possibility of voting for anybody with an R before their name or vice versa. If you all you do is look at the Republican positions, public politicians vote R, 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 R straight down the line, your vote's an empty calorie vote. <laughs> like it, it, it doesn't, um, nothing's going to persuade you. So you're kind of baked into the equation and the election doesn't frankly hinge on you. Um, sorry to say, but that's just the case. Yes, it's important for you to vote, especially if you really believe uh, in in the cause of your political party. You know, there there's there's a place for that. You 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 can be a part of a platform, and numbers matter. But um, at the end of the day, it's an empty calorie vote. You're just filling uh, electoral space, if you will. 
Another way that votes can be empty calorie votes is so many states and so many districts are already predetermined. They're predominantly Republican, predominantly Democrat, 80% Trump, 80% Biden, or even 70, 75% uh, Trump or Biden, 70, 75% Republican or Democrat. And those, those districts, those states are predetermined. They're empty calorie votes. So in California, for example, it's not entirely an empty calorie state uh, because my district, which I'll get to, is not an empty calorie district. It's a swing district um, at the U.S. House level, as well as our, our um, state legislature is, uh, is definitely swing. But the state itself as a whole, when we're voting for president, we ain't voting for a Republican president. Hate, hate to break it to you. Hate to break it to, you know, Donald. But no, Ca- California is not going for Donald freaking Trump. It ain't, it ain't happening. It's not to say there aren't any Trump voters in California. That's certainly, you know, that, that there certainly are plenty of them. And I'm not, and by the way, when I criticize Trump, I ain't criticizing my friends who happen to like Trump. I'm not criticizing them. I'm criticizing Trump himself, not my friends who support him. Um, you know, so I, 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 I think it's important to make that distinction that, but on topic, California ain't voting for Trump. So whoever I vote for, whatever I talk about, it ain't moving the election one way or the other in California. So it's an empty calorie state at the presidential level. It's got, it's, it, we're voting for the Democrat, whoever the Democrat is. It's still, again, it's still important to vote, but there are so many ways that there are empty calorie votes. But here's the thing. There are some districts and some states, and most importantly, some people that really do swing elections from one side to another. And that's what really makes the elections. That's what elections, that's what campaigns are all about. So what am I talking about? Um, as we know, there were, depending on who, whose analysis, between four and seven swing states. I think they're going to be the same swing states coming up in the 2024 election this year. Those states are definitely Pennsylvania, definitely Wisconsin, definitely Arizona, definitely Georgia. You could also argue that Michigan could be in there. North Carolina could be in there. Definitely Nevada, I think, is, is even closer than Michigan and North Carolina. Um, those are states that are closely contested. So the, the election uh, can swing one way or the other, depending on how those states go. Even, even within those states, say Pennsylvania, uh, many districts within Pennsylvania are predetermined. But a, a, an area like Bucks County, which I know very well and love very much, it's a swing district. And we'll talk about why. We'll get into the demographics in a second, but um, it's a swing district. So our friend Mike Mandrin, the last time he came on here, he pointed out that it's not just about Bucks County, it's also about turnout. So you still need, frankly, uh, this is gonna sound this is gonna sound bad. I'm saying Philadelphia is an empty calorie. No, no, no. But you need you need turnout. So in the areas that are very heavily favored to one side or or another, you really do still need to maximize turnout. But really what is going to swing the state is uh, an area like Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Um, So another example, much more personal example, um, I I have sometimes alluded to my the, the Bible study, our Sunday school class that we went to for like 10 years let's say that an average of 20 people were in that class. I'm here to tell you that at least 17 of the people in that classroom for this illustration 
were empty calorie voters. They were always going to vote Republican, no matter what, no matter if you got the most anti-Christian, you know, person who's running on the Republican ticket. Oh, by the way, we do. <laughs> we can open up pretty much any page of the Bible and point to the anti-Christianness, anti-Christian virtuous uh, or lack of virtue of the, the the person who's likely to be the, the Republican candidate for president, and they'll still vote Republican. But there are two people in that class of 20 in my Bible study, maybe three. Um, there's one or two, possibly, who could be persuaded. There's one who maybe not couldn't quite bring himself to vote for a Democrat, but maybe would write in, you know, uh, would write in a, a, you know, his wife's name or something like the way Mitt Romney did uh, for his uh, for Ann Romney for 2016 and 2020. Um, so that's a minus one. It's not a minus two for Trump, but it's a, it's a minus one. Uh, and that still counts. Again, I'm in California, so the president, but I'm using it as an illustration. Um, so who are those people? Uh, they are Christians. So yeah, a huge majority of that particular church voting for Trump. It's, it's a done deal. Ain't, ain't going to change a damn thing. Uh, but there are persuadables there. Same thing in Bucks County that um, if you look at the bigger picture, uh, Mike Madrid talks about con- certain constituencies. In the in case of Bucks County, you have a large constituency of college-educated women. They ain't voting for Trump, you know. And it's just a matter of how how large of a constituency, how much of a turnout of that constituency one can get to vote for Biden in this instance. Uh, in my old Bible study, can you make that case? Can you persuade that one person out of 20, that second person out of 20, and maybe that third to actually do a write-in instead of giving the plus one to Trump? So all of that matters. Um, another another way that it's not empty calorie. So again, I said California is not an empty calorie state in terms of presidential, but California 27, my U.S. House district is. Uh, so that's where my old Bible study comes into play. You know, Mike, uh, Mike Garcia has been representing this district since uh, halfway through uh, after the 2018. So it was about, yeah, it was early in 2020. He won the special election after Katie resigned, Katie Hill resigned. Um, and then he won a full term in the November election that year, 2020, won a second term uh, in 2022. Mike is still vulnerable. Um, in particular, Mike is vulnerable um, because of his voting record. You know, if he, we are a purple district. I've said this before in 2020, he only won the vote here in this district by 333 votes out of over 340,000. 340,000 people voted in this district and he won by 333. That's not 1%. That's not even a half a percent. That's one-tenth of 1%. So that's what he won this district by. It was one of the most closely held, if not the most closely held uh, contested district in the country that year. So he can be vulnerable. And especially, especially, I've said this before uh, on this program, especially because of the way he voted. Um, He does not vote like a moderate conservative, like a moderate Republican. He's voted, especially in the aftermath of January 6th, he voted to overturn the election, the duly fairly held elections of Pennsylvania in Arizona, and he still has not provided a reasonable uh, excuse, uh, a decent reason, a sound legal reason uh, for for voting to overturn 
the, the elections of, of Pennsylvania and Arizona. We can get into the weeds on that, but all that to say, in the most important time, he did not vote like someone who represents a purple district. I still expect him to vote like a conservative, like a fiscal conservative, like a a, a hawk when it comes to the military and and you know. So I, I expect him to vote like a Repu- the Republican that he is, but not like a MAGA Republican. There's a difference if you represent Georgia 14, which is 80 to 85 percent Trump territory, uh, or California 27, which is purple. You know, so you can still be right of center, but be right of center, not extreme MAGA. You know, that that's there's a difference. And again, if anybody's still listening that does identify with the MAGA movement or supports Trump, this is not this is not a judgment of you. Uh, I'd love to have the conversation and understand better what your personal positions are. What I'm talking about is representing your district. The district is not made up of you. You are part of the district and you deserve a voice. You deserve a vote. Um, But the district is a purple district and a good representative. He is a Republican. So I expect him to be conservative in the classical sense in the Paul Ryan or Jack Kemp or William F. Buckley or, you know, Edmund Burke sense. But I don't expect him to be in a purple district, especially to be a Trumpian MAGA, uh, that type of conservative. So. California 27 is not an empty calorie vote here at the U.S. House level, nor is it an empty calorie vote when we're voting for our state assembly member or our state senator. Um, Now, as a politician, I've said this before, I'm supporting Suzette Valadares, a Republican for state Senate. She was our assembly member for one term here. Why do I support um, why do I support Suzette? Well, there's a couple of reasons. As a Republican, she's taken votes against her own party. Now, it's not because she voted a way that I like her to vote, but just the fact that she voted in such a way that she showed an independent streak when it was important to her and she represented her own values as opposed to being an empty calorie vote for her party. She rep- she thought about an issue. She thought about her constituency. She thought about her district that she was representing and she voted a certain way. That was not an empty calorie vote. In this instance, it was to um, vote for the... California Constitution Amendment to protect a woman's right to choose. So as a Republican, it takes guts to vote in favor of a woman's right to choose. But she did it. That was one time when she vote, she bucked her own party. Now, again, it's not about the particular issue. It's about showing the integrity to buck your own party on, on an individual basis, especially when you represent a district like this as a purple district. The other thing that really is, was important to me, this is an issue that I'll get behind. She helped to start the problem solvers caucus so one issue that i will evangelize this issue from from east coast to west coast and everywhere in between we need more problem solvers we need more people who see the other party not as the enemy not as the enemy but as the loyal opposition as colleagues colleagues who have differences of opinion about specific uh positions but but our neighbors and our colleagues Yes, we have differences. Yes, they're different parties, and that's fine. But they're loyal opposition and part of the same state, part of the same neighborhood, part of the same country. This nonsense, that this disease that's infected so much of our country, where we see somebody who happens to have a different letter before their name that, than we like, we think of them as as a as a, a deadly enemy. This is this is this is nonsense. So I believe that I really support Suzette, especially most importantly because she helped to start the California legislature's 
uh, Problem Solvers Caucus. What she told me is she is not an empty calorie vote. So who will decide college, uh, California 27? College-educated suburban Christian women, like my pilot study that I was talking about before, and also Latino voters. Mike Madrid especially has been doing a lot of work on how the Democratic Party has been leaking Latino voters. It's a huge constituency here in California 27. It is not an insignificant percentage of the people who vote here. It's about 30% plus or minus. That's a pretty significant chunk. So if the Democratic Party is primarily about the most extreme issues, they're going to lose small business owners uh, who happen to be Latino. They're going to lose fiscally conservative voters who happen to be Latino. They're going to they're going to lose a lot of a lot of members who support Israel, who don't like some of the rhetoric coming out of the uh, extreme wings of the Democratic Party. Um, so California 27 is made up of all of that college educated suburban Christian women, Latino voters. Um, and there's other districts around the country, too, like uh, in New York, <laughs> the one that uh, the now infamous George Santos uh, had to step down from or or no, 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 he didn't step down. He was uh, he was booted. He got the boot. Um, there's other districts here in California, like in Orange County and, you know, a handful of others around the country that will decide who it has the majority in the House. Um, so it's just a handful. Uh, but a lot of districts are um, are predetermined. You know, they're so heavily favored in one way or the other for any number of reasons. A lot of there's been a lot of talk about uh, gerrymandering or gerrymandering, uh, <laughs> as it was originally called. Um so who'll decide the next president? Uh, so I do have to put in a caveat, and this is where I might be proven wrong um, sooner rather than later. There's still a chance it won't be Biden or Trump. You know, there, there's still a chance, especially in Trump's case. Like, obviously, a lot of talk, there's been a lot of talk about their ages. You know, there hasn't been as much talk about Trump's diet. But let me tell you something. Dude is doing, you know. Uh, chicken McNuggets and Big Macs and Big Whoppers, three meals a day. That stuff, I, it's, it's going to catch up with you one way or the other. Um, plus, he's, you know, he's getting up there and he's showing signs of it, too, by the way. Uh, so it's not a completely zero percent chance that he won't suffer some sort of a um, health event that uh, diminishes at the very least, if not prohibits his ability to continue as the nominee. Additionally, dude's got 90, I think it's 91 counts against him, four different criminal trials, uh, a few others that are in the you know civil cases. Um, that's a lot going against him. And some of it's gonna be decided pretty soon here. $350 million potentially loss uh, in, in New York State, his businesses. Um, that's, gonna, that's gonna have, you know, that could be a huge blow, even though it's a civil case, it could still be a huge blow. You know, he's got a civil case, second civil case with Eugene Carroll. Um, I'm not saying that that's going to be in the tens of millions necessarily, but it's another huge blow. And the four criminal cases, uh, the first one may be the one in New York uh, the, that, um, you know, the paying off a porn star. It's bad, but frankly, I, I don't know. I, I'm not as, it's not that I'm not interested, you know, if he committed crimes, you know, he should be convicted and pay the price for it. But that's not particularly a case that um, uh, I'm as uh, passionate about. What I am passionate about are the instances where he put our uh, national security at risk, and especially, especially where he tried to undermine our democracy. So I'm really uh, eager to see how the cases that have to do 
with national security in the case in Florida, as well as when all the different ways that he illegally tried to undermine our democracy. So uh, it, it is um, a strong possibility that at least a couple of those cases will bleed into late 2024 after the November election and even into 2025. But if one of the Florida, uh, the Fulton County or the D.C. cases uh, take place before the election, uh, it is it is not it is not a small possibility that he'll be convicted of a felony of a crime. So that can also have an effect on whether Trump is the nominee. Um, so that's why I think Nikki should stay in. And that, that part, this last part, Nikki's staying in. Uh, by the time this comes out, that might already be over and done with. But um, it is what it is. So the other reason, the other thing to consider when thinking about um, the nomination, the Republican nomination, consider this. A lot of folks said that uh, he dominated Iowa. He's now dominated New Hampshire. But think about this. Trump is virtually the incumbent president. He's virtually the incumbent, uh, you know, representative of his party. He was president from, you know, right right before Biden. So he's he's virtually the incumbent, right? Now, if an incumbent is in a primary to run for his second term of office and he won 51% of of his party, and by the way, in a turnout of only 8%, so only 8% of Republicans turned out for that primary. And uh, on the one hand, yeah, he, he won 51%. That's not a landslide. <laughs> that means that 49% of that 8% of the Republicans that came out voted against him. So, so Biden, just for comparison, Biden wasn't even on the ballot in New Hampshire. He wasn't even on the ballot. And he did win in a landslide in New Hampshire. That's what an incumbent president is supposed to do. Biden wasn't even on the ballot. And people took the time to write in his name. And he still won in a landslide. But that doesn't seem to be a huge headline. No, Trump dominating Iowa, dominating New Hampshire. Meanwhile, he lost 49% of his own party in Iowa. He lost 45% of his own party in a two-man race uh, in New Hampshire. That should be the headline. So where that is relevant is what, uh, again, I keep on referring to my buddy, uh, my, the, the, the fellow I've become uh, decent friends with here over the last few years, Mike Madrid. He talks a lot about the Biden line, the, the um, excuse me, the Bannon line. The Bannon line, what the Lincoln Project did in 2020 was they, they had said, if we can persuade 5% of Republican voters to vote for Biden, Biden wins. They did, um, like we were talking about before, the sw- they did target certain swing states, the four swing states, the four main swing states, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Um, and they ended up getting about 10 to 12% of Republicans to vote for Biden. That is a large reason why he won. Now, in this election, the dynamics and the numbers are a little bit different because of what I was saying before about Latino voters. The Democratic Party has continued to leak certain constituencies like Latino voters, like other uh, minority voters. But if you look at the numbers, uh, you look at who voted for Nikki and what were some of the exit polls. A really important factor to consider is of votes, voters who supported Nikki and other non-Trump candidates in the Republican primaries who would absolutely positively not vote for Trump. That number is significant. Uh, I just saw a an exit poll that indicated 70 percent 
of the people who voted for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire would absolutely not vote for Donald Trump in the general election. That's significant. That certainly puts us over the Bannon line of 2020. In fact, it would put us significantly beyond that 10 or 12% that they persuaded uh, by the time of the election. So that's something to consider. So one last thing. So it's a lot to chew on. Uh, Basically, so many votes are empty calorie votes. I would encourage us all to be independent in our thinking, to think about issues, to think about candidates. Is there a time where you can show some independence? I would say that shows integrity. Um, Even if it's a write-in, even if you can't bring yourself to vote for anybody with a D before their name or an R before, okay, I I understand. Maybe there's something, uh, you know, for some of my friends from church, they just were raised and and truly believe in their heart of heart of hearts that they they can't vote for uh, anyone in a party that supports, uh, that's pro-choice, right? So sometimes there's just a line that they can't cross. Okay, that's fine. You can still do a write-in, right? Vote for Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Vote for Barbie. Vote for, I don't know, vote for me. Uh, God forbid, heaven help us all if I uh, get elected to any office. Um, But uh, that, so, okay. So don't be an empty calorie voter. Whenever you have an opportunity to really be, to really have an impact on any election, whether it's on an issue, a politician at the state level, local level, or the national level, please, please do it. Think about it. Even if it's a write-in, it's a minus one for one candidate uh, instead of a minus two. Uh, meaning, if it's if you vote, uh, if you do a write-in vote, it's just a minus one from a candidate like Trump. If you actually vote for Biden, it's actually a plus two for Biden because you're taking a vote away from Trump and giving a vote to Biden. So that's what I'm talking about: minus one, minus two, plus one, plus two. So. One last thought and we'll wrap it up. How do you persuade the persuadables? In a lot of instances, the truth is not now. (laughs) Most people are saying most people aren't paying attention to this stuff this closely at this point. Most people start paying attention sometime around the conventions. You know, a lot of folks just don't want to think about it. They're thinking about picking up their kids from soccer. They're thinking about the laundry. They're thinking about you know, a meeting, a presentation they got to do for work tomorrow. They're thinking about getting ready for their Bible study, whatever it might be. They're not thinking about this stuff. So it might be better to start talking about it sometime around the summer barbecues. You know, that's one. So they're not thinking about it right now. They don't want to think about it right now. But, you know, take, figure out when it's right for them. You know, try to read the room. You know, you, you don't want to impose yourself if they don't want to talk about it. It's fine. But when the time comes and it's in the air and everybody's starting to think about their civic responsibility, you know, sometime around the summer, um, how do you do it? I'll give you an example of how not to do it. Uh, if some folks might remember the last conversation I had with Pete Dominic, you know what? Pete is so adamantly against the, the, the Republican who ran for state assembly last time and is now running, running for state Senate. And, you know, honestly, I, don't, I, I told Pete this in the after, after, after our conversation, he was a dick about it. He was an asshole. He told me how terrible of a person she is and how terrible, you know, this uh, nonprofit thinks she, this the political act, act, you know, action committee thinks she is. And, you know, he basically fed me a bunch of campaign slogans of how awful she is and you can't possibly and it's terrible and you're terrible for even thinking it and you know you're a terrible businessman and you hate people and all right pete 
You just convinced me that I'm not just curious about Suzette Valadares. I am absolutely passionately supporting her because he was an asshole. But it's not just Pete. Pete doesn't do that. I do that too. It was like the story I told about my one of my kids who was skeptical skeptical about vaccines initially. And because he just wanted to ask questions and explore it for himself, he got beat up, uh, not beat up literally, but like a lot of people in the family and some friends that were very um, passionately pro-vaccine, didn't even give him the space to think about it. And it he dug his heels and he had the opposite reaction. So those are examples of how not to do it. Don't beat people up. You're not going to convince them if you shame them and if you tell them how terrible they are. And if you go about it in that way where it's combative and contentious, you're not going to persuade anybody. You're just going to do the opposite of it. It's indulgent. You might feel better uh, in the moment for doing it and feel like, oh, you're you're big and, you know, you 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 told them. Great. You, you did, just did the opposite of what you actually want to do. Um, how you do it. Listen, listen, have conversations, nurture relationships. It's everything that we've been talking about here. Have conversations where there's a possibility that you could come out the other side saying, huh, I never thought of it that way. You know, listen to people, let them tell their stories, get to know them on a human level. And you could have one degree and one conversation with one person of influence. That's how you do it. We've talked about it a lot on this program. We'll keep on talking about it. Um, So set your expectations properly. One degree of influence with one person and one conversation and one relationship. Um, And also you have to leave room for the possibility that you might be persuaded too. That's the, I never thought of that way posture, right? So that's, that's all I got today. Well, I got a lot more, but that's, that's what I'm going to share for today. I would really love to hear from you. Uh, you know how to get a hold of me at Corey S. Nathan on most of the major social apps at C-O-R-E-Y-S as in Sam, N-A-T-H-A-N at Corey S. Nathan. And again, hit the subscribe button or follow uh, like it is on Apple. And if, if you haven't already, obviously, definitely write that review. Like I said, we've been talking about it for a few weeks and you can find the show. Uh, easiest way is the, just the website, politicsandreligion.us, www.politicsandreligion.us. Now, go talk some politics and religion with gentleness and respect. And have a great week. Mm-hmm.